I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host, and on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Thank you guys so much for listening to my last episode with Laura Pitcher, who is a cut contributor. If there's any new listeners here who came from that interview, welcome. So happy to have you here. I hope you stick around. This is usually a solo hosted podcast, but I love to have guests on. And if you have anyone in mind that you would love to see on the podcast, let me know. You can always slide into my DMs at Bailey Evan or at Kind of Cute Podcast. And just to hype myself up at the beginning, if you want to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I would be eternally grateful. Uh, Guys, this past weekend, um, I had a wedding in Houston for my dear friends Liz and Steph. Such a great time. It was at the Houston Museum of Fine Arts, and it was literally something out of a movie. I have never felt bougier in my life had the best time and I went directly from that wedding, flew to New York and went to Harry Ween. It was night two of Harry Ween. The first night he dressed up as uh, Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz and his bandmates all dressed up. It was custom Gucci. Our night they were all dressed up as clowns. His was influenced by the clown Perot from back in the day. It was just such a vibe, such a look. He had little pearls glued onto his face, lots of blush. I had the best time. And he sang Toxic by Britney Spears. I mean, what more could I ask for? And he also did Medicine, which is like an unreleased song that was supposed to be on one of his albums. And there's a line in it that talks about hooking up with a guy. And so obviously people went wild over that. People like go wild over bisexual Harry. He's never really confirmed his sexuality. And obviously he's been with women and he's publicly with Olivia Wilde right now. But when people get a hint of him being bi, oh, they just lose their damn minds. So it was so funny seeing the crowd go wild for that song. But yeah, I just had the greatest but like craziest weekend. I still feel a week later like I am recovering. Uh, and speaking of Houston, I mean, there was a crazy tragedy this weekend at the Astroworld concert, which is Travis Scott's concert. He brought Drake on stage and people stampeded and there's other, you know, suspicions about what exactly happened. But from what I've heard, there was a stampede, eight people died. Some people I think went into cardiac arrest. Many people were rushed to the hospital. I just so devastating because you guys know how much I love concerts and you're going there to have this night of fun, lighthearted escapism and for such a tragedy to occur. And then Astroworld was canceled for the rest of the weekend. Obviously, I mean, that was the right decision to make. It's just so beyond tragic. Um, And not that I have any expertise in this, but I just want to say like, Don't be an asshole when you're at a concert. You don't need to bum rush the stage. You don't need to trample people. Like, stay in your damn spot, okay? (laughs) I mean, not to make light of it, but it's just like, come on. Like, What are people thinking? Don't be an asshole. It's like when people die. It's really similar when people die when they're Black Friday shopping and holiday shopping. So I think that's just something for everyone to keep in mind. Not that any of my listeners would be the people who are doing that, But it's just like, come on, nothing is that important that it's worth endangering people's lives over. On a lighter note, uh, right before Halloween, Kenzie and I watched 
Jennifer's body for the first time, which is uh, Megan Fox is one of the lead roles in it. And I have to say, the performance that Megan Fox gives in that movie, immaculate. I loved every second of it. She was so good at playing this campy character. And there really are a lot of feminist undertones in it. And it's the dialogue, no joke, some of the best dialogue I've ever witnessed in a movie. It is so funny. And it's not necessarily how people really talk, but there's just something about it that is just spoke to everything in me. I loved it so much. And it's actually written by uh, Diablo Cody, who also wrote Juno. So you get some of that little spunky one-liners that you get in Juno, but with this camp aspect to it. And it was just so fun. And then right after that, we watched Night Teeth, which I was fully going into thinking it would just be another really, really stupid Hallmark level Netflix movie. It was cheesy, but like really kind of good. It's about vampires and Megan Fox makes a cameo. And I just think she is the scream queen of our generation. And I was sleeping on her. I still have not seen Transformers. I'm glad that her and MGK's coupledom is bringing her back into the public eye and knowledge and made me go watch Jennifer's Body. And this is my PSA to you that if you have not watched um, Jennifer's Body yet, go do it. It also has a cameo by Chris Pratt, uh, Amanda Seyfried's in it from, you know, Mean Girls, Mamma Mia. She plays uh, the foil kind of to... Megan's character and like I said there's a lot of just like quirky little feminist aspects to it and I think you will really enjoy it. An Architectural Digest open house tour has come out since we last spoke. Last time we talked about Kirsten Dunst, we talked about Nina Dobrev. Now we have Vanessa Hudgens and speaking of like Hallmark level Netflix movies, she has really become the queen of that. Uh, she, I liked her house a lot. It was actually a lot brighter and more welcoming than I thought it would be because Vanessa is known as like the queen of Halloween. She loves really leaning into that witchy, spooky side of herself. Also considers herself like the queen of Coachella, very boho. And her house wasn't exactly what I was expecting. I thought it fit her personality, but again, it was just much lighter and brighter and welcoming than I was expecting from her. The only place she really leaned into the moodiness was her master bathroom. Oh my God, guys, this master bathroom. I didn't think having a black bathroom was my dream bathroom. It looked so cool. It's like this matte black tile. And it was cool because she used some of that tile also in her kitchen. And I love when it pieces of a house are kind of connected like that. And her kitchen was still bright. But the bathroom, so dark, so moody, has this big old black bathtub. Oh, I mean, I just, the idea of having some candles lit in there, a bath bomb, a bath bubble, a glass of wine. I mean, sign me up. If I ever get invited to Vanessa Hudgens' house, I'm going to be like, sorry, girl, would love to hang, would love to kiki in the living room, but I will be in your bathtub. Thank you very much. I also was a little confused, though, because she kept, (laughs) and I'm like, is this just a lack in my knowledge? Because she kept referring to travertine as tavertine. And I kind of felt bad that no one was correcting her, but maybe I'm just pronouncing it wrong. It's definitely spelled like travertine. But again, she was dropping the R and just calling it Travertine. (laughs) Maybe that's the bougie version of Travertine. I also love that she just enunciates so 
distinctly and this is something that you kind of have noticed since her high school musical days and I always kind of thought it was part of her acting but seeing her just in this kind of relaxed atmosphere and she just so enunciates I wish I had those enunciation skills you guys would probably have a way easier time listening to this podcast if I did uh speaking of some cringe celebrity behavior KJ Appa he really is only known for his role as Archie in Riverdale, the Riverdale series. He, if you haven't heard, because I don't even know if I've discussed it on here, he um, is a dad now. He and his girlfriend got pregnant. They had the baby. And now, fast forward, he is pouring breast milk into his coffee. There's an Instagram clip of him. He's out to dinner or lunch, I don't know, at a restaurant with his friends. He takes the bottle, pops it open, pours some in his coffee and proceeds to drink it. And I am so grossed out by that behavior. If you want to give a little cheeky taste in the privacy of your own home, boo, you do you. If I was lactating, would curiosity overtake me and I would maybe want to try a little sip? I'm being honest with you. Yes, I would. I would want to know what my milk tastes like. Oh, just saying that though, it like my my stomach just viscerally turned. But I just know the curiosity would kill me and I'd have to take at least like a little drop just to know. Um, And the caption on the video is, my wife is a milk machine and I love it. Not only is that sort of reductive, uh, in my opinion, by just calling her a milk machine, it's just also gross. I really can't get past it. And there's someone in the background with a nice accent being like, if your skin's really glowing tomorrow, you'll know what to thank. <laughs> Again, you know there's things on here I have to share because I feel like if I've had to suffer through the knowledge of it, you guys do as well. So, you know, again, you're welcome. In the quirky video, KJ shakes a container of milk in a baby bottle before he splashes some into his mug. He then looks over to the side and says, Merci beaucoup, which means thank you very much in French, and takes a sip of his drink. I want to start out with our first article. It's not a cut article. It's actually from Texas Monthly. Again, I'm feeling just a very Texas-themed episode this week, I guess. Uh, And it's titled, When Your Mother is a Ghost Hunter, On the Hunt with TikTok star Brittany Broski and her mother Heather Long, lead investigator of the Texas Ghost Gals. And it's by Kat Cardenas. And I just found this article so appealing to explain Brittany Broski her real name is Brittany Tomlinson I think she is so so hilarious I want to say I've mentioned that on here before she became in the public eye when that kombucha she came in became known as kombucha girl it was that video of her tasting kombucha for the first time and she kind of goes back and forth with whether she likes it or doesn't like it and that video reached peaked levels of virality it i don't think anything from tiktok had gone that viral until that video by my non-expert opinion uh and i just find all of her content really appealing she's very good at makeup her videos with drag queen trixie mattel are some of my favorite on youtube please go watch one if you haven't yet because their banter is next level they're both so funny they have a very similar sense of humor and he is also from texas and I just really enjoy those videos and I think she's just a great unique content creator and I can't think of anyone really like her on the internet. So, you know, 
I was so shocked and delighted to see that her mother is a ghost hunter and part of this called Texas Ghost Gals. I also think I'm a little bit in denial that Halloween is over. And since I skipped last week's episode, because again, guys, after that whirlwind weekend, I was just in a daze last week and I was really... I felt like I was mentally struggling a little bit, probably from drinking too much, because I feel like when I go on a multi-day bender of, you know, a couple days of binge drinking, I, my mental health really pays for it. And also it's like, you know, your eating gets thrown off, your grocery shopping, your exercising. And I try to be gentle with myself when I have moments like that. And I hope you guys are too. And I felt like part of being gentle with myself was maybe taking a week off of the podcast because, you know, I've said it before on here. Like I only like to come on here when I feel like I'm at a level where I would want to hang out with myself because you guys are hanging out with me. So again, I know you guys don't mind if I miss a week, but I just didn't want you to think I was just, you know, like, oh, screw the podcast. I just really felt like I I needed a, a little time to gather myself. And and also, I, I think that's something I want to speak on is that you can have like the best time. I had such a fun weekend last weekend, but it's okay to feel sad after that because I feel like it's, it's the morning of the fun being gone. And, you know, I think there's always so much anticipation leading up to weekends like that. And there's kind of that come down after it. But it's also just like chemically things might not be exactly right after you've had a weekend like that. Um, So anyways, thank you guys. I'm glad to be back. But again, I am a little in denial that Halloween's over. And I had saved, bookmarked this article to speak about before Halloween. But you know what? This is from October to December. I think you can kind of meld. You can kind of have a a nightmare before Christmas theme. You know, who says spooky season ends when Halloween ends? Also, can someone look into how spooky season really had a, not a resurgence, just like a surgence of popularity, a surge of popularity, where I feel like that's what everyone refers to it as? Where did that originate? Where did that come from? That is something I I might need to research. Uh, So this article follows uh, a night of Brittany's mom, Heather Long, leading a a ghost investigation. And it takes place in Spring, Texas, which, again, ironically, is uh, pretty close outside of Houston. And... I just love I've I've been obsessed with the paranormal since I was a kid and there's always those memes that go around that's like our particular age group is probably really into it because we all read those scary stories to tell in the dark when we were kids. Look up the cover if you need a reminder of what I'm talking about because once you see the cover I think you will have a very um moment of being brought back in time. And Again, I've just always loved the paranormal. I don't know if I would consider myself like a true believer or a true skeptic. I'd say somewhere in the middle because I so believe that energies exist, things remain. I I believe in spiritual stuff. I believe that there's people who are way more in tune to uh, the psychic realm than others. I think there's a lot of fakes out there too, though. Like, let's not get that twisted. And again, you know, I love to pull my Oracle cards. I love a tarot card reading. I would love to go to a psychic again soon because I haven't been, I've only been once that one time in New Orleans for my, my birthday, my 30th birthday, I believe. Uh, so again, I think it's, I'm due for, for another delve back into that realm. But 
I just love this because I think Kat, the the author of this article, did a great job kind of walking through the night and how she was affected by it. And I also loved this because I have been kind of behind in watching ghost hunting videos. I used to watch the one all the time that had that spiky haired guy with the black hair. It was on a travel channel, I believe. I would watch that show all the time. And I didn't know that apparently now a lot of ghost hunters use an Xbox Connect. And she writes, it's a motion sensing device which been which has been outfitted with a Windows tablet, infrared recording, and screen capture technology. Though the Connect is essentially obsolete for gamers, it's found a second life in the ghost hunting community. The device's camera is meant to detect human players with facial recognition software and a semiconductor that allows it to see in 3D. But some users have noticed that the Connect often seems to pick up human shapes that aren't visible in the room, which is why apparently it's beloved by ghost hunters. And I just thought that was so cool. I love the idea that it's being repurposed from this gaming item into a ghost hunting item. And like, I'm sure Xbox never in a million years thought that would be the ultimate end goal for the Xbox (laughs) Connect. Um, And then Kat goes on to explain how there's, you know, a procedure for everything because Long tells her there's procedures for removing demons or how to expose of a Ouija board, which, by the way, I have never touched a Ouija board, and I refuse to. There are some things I don't dabble in. I am not trying to open myself to the realm of demons, okay? I think most spirits are benevolent. Clearly, I am more of a believer than I am <laughs> making myself out to be, because I'm like, oh, hell no to the Ouija board. Uh, I just, I, I don't, I I think when you open yourself up to good spirits, you can let in the bad ones too. And I am not ready for that. And I thought this story was insane because uh, Heather Long says there was a few years ago she was contacted by a psychic because the psychic was hearing hooves uh, clopping upstairs. And she had also seen a, a figure that had a head of a goat in her home. And the team that Heather was working with at the time confirmed that there was a demonic present in the presence in the house. And the psychic's children were drawing these goat-like figures. And one of the children seemed to be communicating directly with the goat-like figure. And so Heather says, it freaked me out. She was letting it in. We told her we wanted to cleanse the house and she said no. Heather was so unsettled by the interaction that she decided not to continue the hunt. And it was the only time that her curiosity did not outweigh her fear. Oh, and that just gave me chills because I'm like, hello, psychic. Why do you call these people to your house to confirm that you have a demon? And then you're like, nah, I'm going to just let it chill. Like, we're just going to live in this little symbiotic relationship. If I want some demon juice, I I want it around. And I'm sorry, as a Capricorn, I love a half goat figurine. Um, But I also do know that goats are associated with the devil and demons, and that would be a no from me. I would be moving out of that house. I would sage the shit out of myself. I'd probably sage in a, like, I would bathe in a bathtub of sage if this happened to me. Um, And I love that Heather was also just like, that's a no from me, dog. (laughs) So while they're actually doing this haunt, they were trying to look for, or this hunt, I'm sorry, uh, they were trying to look for the ghost of a little girl named Shelby and they kind of believed that they they connected with her because they were using those little uh, rods, which you've, if you've watched any sort of ghost hunting, you've probably seen them before because they cross. You, you can say like go parallel or if you want to say yes to something, cross the rods. So at one point in the night, the Kinect picked up a couple figures perched in the ceiling 
and um, Heather used the rods to deduce that they were actually benevolent male presences. But then Shelby, the little girl, uh, she said she was uncomfortable. I'm sorry, the little girl ghost, to clarify. She said she was uncomfortable around men and wanted them to banish the spirits. And Brittany goes, same girl. <laughs> Which I just related to that. I'm like, even in the ghost world, can you be like, I need these men out of here immediately. Uh, so... There was a pretty successful hunt. I think, like I said, they communicated with Shelby, allegedly, with the rods. And she said she was very happy in this shop because they were at this little kitschy, like, vintage shop is where they were uh, conducting this hunt. And Shelby was like, yeah, I love it here. I mean, the men can go, but I'm having a time. And so afterwards, Kat had a phone call with Heather. And uh, they circled back to the feeling of being in the room when the energy started to change that moment when the divining rods first crossed and the prickle on the back of Kat's neck that made her feel like someone was behind her. And Heather says, trying to describe that sensation to someone looking for proof is hard. You just have to be there to feel it and open your mind to it. But that moment of intrigue is the whole reason I do this. You get a little piece of information and you want to keep reaching out and learning more. And again, I just love this intersection of like viral TikTok star with a mother who is a ghost hunter it just really makes sense to me in my soul <laughs> in a way that I almost can't explain. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on ghosts. Like, are you guys believers? Are most of my audience believers or skeptics? I, I have this feeling you guys are believers. Because again, I think us, I think I have a lot of millennial and Gen Z listeners. And I feel like we kind of tilt towards being a little bit more of believers. But let me know. I, w- I would love to know your thoughts. Next up, we have our first cut article of the day, The Return of the Cringe Couple by Laura Pitcher. Guys, how fitting that the week after we have Laura on, she does her second article for The Cut. And I just felt like we couldn't not discuss it, especially because she, in this article, discusses some of the same themes that we talked about in our interview. And she starts out with kind of explaining how she defines the cringe couple and I almost feel like you don't even need explanation for it like you guys know who we're talking about we're talking about Kravis we're talking about MGK and Megan we're talking about uh Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello which she says like the images of the of them on their pandemic uh, walks with their empty coffee mugs will haunt her which I love those pictures it's just them literally shuffling around like in their pajamas no makeup in Florida in Miami But this is where I take issue. I am a hot coffee drinker. I drink, I mean, I love an iced coffee if I'm out, but in the morning, I find it very comforting to have something warm. So even when it's hot as balls here in Florida, you know I have my AC pumping, cranking. So I will have a hot coffee because I like how fresh it is. I, I brew it in my French press. And this is where I take issue though. So people thought that they were posing for the paparazzi basically but i don't i don't think that but it was because they had these empty coffee mugs while they were going on their walks people thought they were posing because they thought it was a fake couple because everyone you know has thoughts that Sean Mendez might be more into men um <laughs> but what i take issue with is the fact that they were having hot coffee on these walks outside if you are drinking hot coffee in florida you need to be in the ac that is just a rule that I've made and that I think everyone should abide by. Um, sorry, I just had to give that little interjection because I hadn't thought about those pictures of Sean and Camilla in a while. And thinking about them again, I was like, 
that was what was incongruous. It wasn't the fact that the coffee cups were empty. It was the fact that they were going on a morning walk in the summer in the 95 plus degree heat with a hot coffee. And that is what is sketchy to me. So Laura writes, while celebrity couples seem more intense at the moment, so so too are our own dating lives. I've definitely noticed people expecting their partner to be more invested and involved than before the pandemic because there was nothing else to go over, to do over lockdown. This is one of the people she quoted from the article. Couples have been communicating constantly, spending more time together, and this type of dating doesn't work out long term because it's not sustainable. And it is it's that very like notion of being just so on top of each other during the pandemic that maybe has led to more cringe behavior. And she says, for those who are single, these celebrities serve as a reminder of everything that's corny about annoying couples. We've all been stuck talking to a couple at a party who come out with something as outrageous as Megan Fox telling GQ that MGK told her I am weed when they first met. And yet for all the many, many trend stories of millennials rebuking traditional adulthood and romance, the rise of this outwardly messy, antithetical couple may be just what's needed to provide some necessary contrast. We're seeing the anti megan and Harry because we all secretly want these celebrities to have more room to be messy, says Lex Brown James, a sex therapist based in Pennsylvania. Millennials were told we were supposed to grow up and get married, but we rarely saw happy marriages. And I love, again, this is what I love about Laura's writing because she takes it through this lens of, you know, this more intellectual basis of why we maybe connect to the cringe couple or maybe why we find them so cringe. And... I have to say, I think, you know, uh, Lex Brown James mentions Meghan Markle and Harry as kind of the antithesis to an MGK and Megan Fox. But I think there's way more in common between the two than maybe you're initially let on to because it's almost this commodification of the love story that takes place with both of them. I don't think the line is so distinct. I mean, even that that article, um, was it the ti- Times where they were on the cover and, you know, everyone was joking that it looked like Harry was Megan's uh, hairdresser standing behind her as they looked in the mirror. There's something about a very curated image that we get from the royals that is so in line with the curated images we get from these PR driven celebrities. I, I just again, I don't think I don't think they're that far apart. Uh, speaking of cringe couples, though, if you haven't heard, Kim K, Kimmy K and PDD, aka Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson have been spotted going on quite a few little dates after they were on um, SNL together. And this is hilarious to me because after Kim's SNL appearance, so many people were saying that her and Pete had chemistry. I did not see it at all. I think people were really getting the idea of it from the uh, skit where she was Jasmine, he was Aladdin. They share like a real kiss at the end. Like they kiss on on the lips um, during the skit. I thought it was the most chaste, awkward kiss I've ever seen. (laughs) So the fact that I truly do think they are seeing each other now and definitely hooking up is funny to me because I just did not see the chemistry there. Uh, And I I have to say, I think this is totally... um, Kim sowing her wild oats. I think she wanted a fun, carefree, no strings attached little relationship that would also give her some good PR because I think everyone likes to talk about who Pete Davidson is dating just because it's so varied, his relationships. I mean, just within the past 
couple years, he was engaged to Ariana Grande. He dated Kaya Gerber, who was only 19 at the time. He dated Kate Beckinsale, who was obviously on the other end of the age spectrum, older than Pete. He dated Phoebe Devner, who played Daphne on Bridgerton. I'm sure I'm missing a million in between because the boy hopped around. And now we have him with Kimmy K. Like, there's really no cohesive nature to who he dates other than the fact that they get him a lot of press. They're very in the public eye. So this article is titled, Would You Go to Satin Island for Pete Davidson by Danielle Cohen. Short answer, if you were looking for my take, is 1,000%. I've actually never been to Staten Island, and I would love to go. If anyone wants to invite me on a Staten Island trip, you don't have to be Pete Davidson. Like, I'm there. Sign me up. And (laughs) Danielle writes, you know what sounds seductive? Meatballs in Staten Island. On Tuesday, Kardashian West was spotted leaving the Ritz-Carlton in Manhattan, only to arrive an hour later at Campania, purported to be one of Davidson's favorite casual Italian establishments in his home borough, because he is naturally the king of this borough. Pete was able to arrange a private rooftop dinner at the restaurant, which per page six, they were able to enjoy without security. That sounds delightful. One of the benefits of dining away from the masses of Manhattan, I suppose. I mean, again... I talked about how much I thought Megan and NGK's dates sounded adorable. I think this sounds so adorable. I miss meatballs as not eating meat anymore. I love a meatball moment. I love a red sauce establishment. Uh, it's just a pizza. It all sounds so good to me. It says, so how did the date go, you ask? Great, apparently, because page six reports that the two met up again for dinner the next night. I have a feeling it was Kim's turn to choose because they found themselves in slightly more upscale surroundings. Zero bond, to be specific. A members-only Manhattan nightclub that recently hosted Marilect Eric Adams' victory party. I have to take a little tangent here to talk about zero bond because I think this is something you're going to see more and more in the public eye. Uh, Actually, ironically, after the SNL after party that Kim hosted, the party was held at Zero Bond. Um, I know this because earlier that night, Elena and I had been at the Bowery Hotel, which is like around the corner from Zero Bond. So we were devastated. Like if we had just stayed a little longer, we might have seen the hullabaloo of them coming to this party. But it made me very intrigued with Zero Bond and looking into what exactly it is. So I think it's trying to become kind of the next Soho house of today and it's started by a guy named scott sartarian sartiano i'm sorry scott sartiano and he is the guy who founded one oak which are like very popular nightclubs he's he's worked on a few other restaurants in manhattan and he just seems like your kind of typical Columbia douchebag. I feel like I can say that, um, you know, just like your Ivy League douchebag guy who was like, I'm going to start nightclubs, which good for him. I mean, someone's got to do it. And he started Zero Bond. I don't really know how he's in with the Kardashians other than just I think a lot of times when they did nightclub appearances, they would be at One Oak. Um And I just have seen so many celebs recently, so many events being held at Zero Bond. And now, of course, I'm like, can I be a member? Like, should I? Can I? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, all these member-only things are pretty expensive. They're around $3,000 a year to be a member. Um, So not that I have that laying around, but I will go to lengths to – 
be next to a, a celebrity. And it's so funny because I was reading an article um, that did an interview with Scott and he was saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's like, you know, when someone goes out, they're not saying they had a great night because they were 10 feet from George Clooney. They're saying they had a great night because they happened to meet cool people and interact with them and maybe make a friendship. And I was like, no, Scott, see, this is where you are wrong. I would 100% feel like I had a, a great night if I was 10 feet from George Clooney. Like, I would remember that forever. Um, so it's, this is also funny because after the Harry Styles concert, Elena and I went to Bimmelman's bar, which if you haven't been, it's so cool. It's in the Upper East Side and it's at the Carlisle Hotel. And famously, the Carlisle is where all the celebrities get ready before they go to the Met Gala. Like they all have rooms there. That's like where all their glam team is. And then they're kind of shuttled over to uh, the Met for the Met Gala. And um, it's just the coolest bar. And it's all these murals, original paintings by Ludwig Bimmelman, who did the Madeline drawings. And they're all kind of creepy and weird. We actually talked about Bimmelman's when I had Elena on the podcast um, a month ago. So we go there and it was just such this perfect like New York vibe. We had dirty martinis. There was like a cabaret singer, a piano player. And the next day, Countess Luann herself posted a picture talking about how excited she was to work on her upcoming cabaret with these greats. And one of the guys in the picture was no other than the man who had been playing the piano at Bimmelman's the night before. Like serendipity, no? So my point is, um, any connection or a couple degrees I have of a celebrity I'm down for I also feel like this is ironic coming from this Scott Sartiano man because he's been previously linked with Anne Hathaway Ashley Olsen and Jamie Lynn Sigler and now he's married to a Wilhelmina model so I'm like homie you know you like being around celebrities just as much as the next gal um I'm not gonna go too much into this next article but you know I love when they do these dream date articles where uh the author goes on a quote-unquote date with a with a heartthrob. And this week we had William Jackson Harper, who plays uh, Chidi Anagone on uh, Good Place, if you're familiar. And he also has Love Life, the second season of that that just came out. So he was kind of doing the press rounds. And again, I just wanted to like read this one quote because he just seems so cute. And I, oh, I just want to like pinch him he says i'm definitely soft in every sense of the word i'm very stereotypical in that way i manifest my emotions which is almost not at all that doesn't mean that i'm not incredibly sensitive and i think it'd be really beneficial for men to be able to express that without society pointing and prodding i think a lot of men are more sensitive than they let on and i think that is true and it's also men's health day i believe today or if it's not today it was very recently and we should all be encouraged like let men feel their emotions cry get it out what they should not be allowed to do is put breast milk in their coffee all right on to our fave my favorite article of the day Kristen sort's wedding plans sound chill by brooke la mancha i had to save this one for last uh she writes it's been a big week for celebrity engagements and now people are locking in their celebrity wedding officiants so cal penn apparently asked Cardi B to marry him and his partner of 11 years. This is significant because Cal Penn just came out as being in a marriage or in a relationship with a man. He hadn't been open about that in the past. And it seems like they're so happy and he's getting married to his partner of 11 years. And then Kristen Stewart just got engaged to screenwriter Dylan Meyer, who is a woman. And she's hoping that it'll be officiated by Guy Fieri. She manifested the dream earlier this week on the Howard Stern show where she noted that Fieri 
officiates a lot of gay weddings, adding that, quote, the idea of that man, that sweet, sweet, spiky headed man coming to our wedding and officiating it. It just makes me laugh so much. So <laughs> Kristen goes on a um, interview with Hoda Kotb and I think Savannah Guthrie was the other one who was interviewing her. And it's this very sort of like rote, normal interview about her movie uh, Spencer coming out where she plays Princess Diana which that looks intriguing because apparently it's very much so a fictionalization, a sort of recreation of these certain days in Diana's life. I do want to see that, even though I have not, you know, I haven't watched The Crown. I'm very behind in the the whole Princess Diana culture, which you guys know, I have to say every time I mention her that I bought my house from her cousin, Colonel George Spencer. Um, <laughs> so during this interview, at the very end of it, they Hoda brings up, you know, oh, I heard you want Guy to... um officiate your wedding so we had him record a little little answer for you and he says he's all in and she literally looks so shocked and so happy and it felt like such a genuine reaction she's she's asking me she's like where does he live like can I get his contact info like she wanted to make it happen and I yeah, I love the idea of it. It has to happen now. Hey, Kristen, Guy Fieri here, and I've heard through the Flavortown grapevine that you are looking for a sweet, spiky-haired officiant for your wedding. <laughs> I'm all in. Oh. <laughs> that, was, is that, that I do? A, was that a real offer, or was that... <laughs> I know, is he joking? No, I think no, he no, means we, it. I wonder if yours was a real offer. Do you really want him? Absolutely. Oh! I love it. I mean, do you know where he lives? Um, uh, I don't. don't What's his address? I mean, like, does he live in L.A.? We should talk about this. Oh, yes. We'll connect you. Now, we feel like matchmakers. I know. We kind of do. All right, Kristen. I mean, if it doesn't, I think the whole world will be disappointed. I love diners, drive-ins, and dives. I think Guy seems like a legit good guy. He so gives back to the community. But I have to say, and this is something I think about a lot, why does Guy Fieri have so many shitty ghost kitchens, including one in my very own town of West Palm? If you go on Uber Eats, you might see something called uh, Guy Fieri's like kitchen sh- chicken shack or something like that. I don't even know. It sounds awful. Wait, I'm going to try to bring up the one um, <laughs> that's near me. Okay, it's called Guy Fieri's Flavor Town Kitchen, and it has abysmal ratings. <laughs> And I mean, it just the food, uh, cheesesteak egg rolls, Cajun chicken Alfredo, bacon mac and cheese, jalapeno pig poppers. I don't think there is a single vegetarian option on this menu. Um, He has a crazy Cuban, the chicken guy, exclamation mark, classic, the chicken parmaroni. Obviously, that is uh, breaded airline chicken breast, fresh mozzarella, provolone and pepperoni. Oh, excuse me. We do have a Caesar salad, which potentially could be vegetarian, but probably has some anchovy in the dressing. This gross cheesecake abomination that has, I mean, actually, I love a salty sweet moment, so I probably like it. It has salted potato chips and crushed pretzels. That that might be the best thing on the menu. But again, if you're not familiar with this concept of ghost kitchens, it's where celebrities, a lot of times celebrity chefs are people who operate a lot of like youtubers have ghost kitchens they will operate out of another kitchen i believe that guys actually operates out of brio which is an italian restaurant and you can't go into the restaurant and get it it only operates through something like an uber eats and i just the concept to me is so baffling 
And they've really cropped up a lot since the pandemic started. And I just don't know how I feel about it. So that's that's Kai Fieri's one, Fieri's one mark against him. But I still am all in for him officiating Kristen's wedding. And that's all I'll say on that. We've made it to our legit shit for the week. And that is an advent calendar. You guys know I can't pass up an advent calendar. Last year, I featured Bone Mamam, which is a pleasant little assortment of jams and honeys and jellies. I love Bone Mamam. You get a lot of flavors in the advent calendar that you can't otherwise purchase like at the grocery store. My sister bought that one this year because I wanted to branch out, try a different one. So I got the Godiva advent calendar and that is this week's legit shit. You can order it online. It is the cost of $39.95. They always offer free shipping. I linked it in the show notes. I love Godiva chocolate. I know it's not like the bougiest. It's not like art, you know, small artisanal shop, but it's just good. Like you can't go wrong with it. I think this would make a great gift if you just want to send someone it right now so they can start the holiday cheers that they'll have it by the time December comes. I have mine currently wrapped up in saran wrap in my freezer. It said you could store it that way. I will be cracking it out on December 1st. And I just think there's something so fun about opening an advent calendar every day leading up to Christmas. It really gets me in the holiday spirit. I just can't wait for this one. My parents also got me one from Sam's that has like uh, also like chocolates and pretzels. So I have three to open this year, guys. I am to say pumped is just an understatement. So if you end up getting an advent calendar or have a good one you recommend, I actually would love to get one more and get like a beauty themed one. Um, I think La Ossetan has one that looks really appealing and that seems reasonably priced. I know Elena got one of the Volupsa candle ones. That one also looks really fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please keep in touch and I will see you next week. Bye.